This is Shifting Our Schools, Episode 62, Educating the Next Generation of One-to-One Teachers. If you're looking to transform your classroom learning environment by engaging students as content creators, not just consumers, you've come to the right place. Welcome to Shifting Our Schools with your host, Jeff Udick. Welcome back to another Shifting Our Schools. Thank you for tuning in this week and uh, following along in our one-to-one summer of fun. We're all summer long. We're focused on the one-to-one educator. Uh, hopefully, you've subscribed to the podcast over the summer. If you haven't, this is a great time. Uh, download your favorite uh, podcast player. I actually found a great new one. I don't know if you saw this, but Google actually released Google Podcast. It's different than Google Music Play, and man, I'm loving some of the Uh, new features that are in it, including that in the show notes, the links are actually hyperlinked. And it's the only um, podcast catcher I found on my phone that actually links the hyperlink. So when I put in the show notes, all of the links, uh, you can actually click on those. That's for Android only. Uh, If you're an Apple user, you're probably using iTunes podcast or iTunes, which is great. Uh, But please subscribe so you don't miss a single episode moving forward. We've got a great show for you this week on... um, Last oh, a couple weeks ago, I was actually teaching a, a class over at Whitworth, and I was teaching some pre-service teachers. So that's what we're going to focus on here. A little bit more about that later. I want to get you your free download this week over at Eduro Learning, along with your discounted course. So this week, our free download, if you haven't downloaded it yet, is the 10 hidden features of Google Docs that every student should know. It's a great little PDF that walks you through some of the hidden features that you might know or not know about Um, Google Docs. And if you know them all, great. It's a free PDF. You just go over to sospodcast.org slash 121. That's 1-T-O-1. And that will take you to the Eduro website page where you can then download that free PDF. Um, It's a great resource for those of you going into a Google Docs classroom or just making sure that you know all 10 of those. Or you just head over to sospodcast.org and you'll see 121 up in the menu bar uh, for you to jump over to our Eduro learning website. Also, this week we're releasing a new course, a discount on a new course, and uh, until August 11th, you can pick up our fake news and our responsibility to be digital literate for just $15. It's an online course that covers the idea about fake news and how do we make sure that as educators, we are digital literate so we can teach kids to be digital literate. It's a $60 value that is on sale through August 11th for just 15 bucks. So again, I know your summers are precious. If you're listening to this, maybe just go go on over. You can buy the course now. And then this summer or this next school year, uh, once you get back into the flow of things, know that those resources are waiting there. It's packed full of videos, ideas. Uh, There's some lesson plans for you to download, some really great resources in there. It's all self-paced. So you can go in and grab what you want. So again, that's the fake news and our response to be digital literate. It was our first course that we put on sale for our one-to-one summer fun. And we're going to wrap up summer putting that on sale again, excuse me, for those of you that might have missed it. Uh, So again, you can pick all that up over at sospodcast.org slash 121. Also, remember the cart is now open for our micro-credential, our 121 micro-credential. You can now register and sign up. Again, you can find all the details over on the Eduro Learning 121 page. Uh, So you can either go to edurolearning.com slash 121 or sospodcast.org slash 121. Either way, we'll take you to the same place. And remember, our micro-credential is a chance for you to spend this next school year going really deep 
into understanding how technology can influence your classroom and your students. You will get a mentor or a coach. I am one of those as well. And we will be with you for 23 weeks of the school year as you go through courses, as you learn to think differently around how technology can impact teaching and learning. All the details about that, are, again, are found on the page. And if you have any questions, please do reach out. I'd love to answer any questions for you as well. But the cart is now open. If that sounds like something that you might want to think about for your own professional development uh, this next school year, know that we are here to help and to support you. This week, uh, you get a special treat with this one credit class that I teach at Whitworth University in Spokane, Washington every summer. And why is it only one credit? Well, that's because here in the state of Washington, that's all you need to become an educator. Even though that this last levy go around, all 47 tech levies in our state passed uh, that our community, our states, our communities within our state are really supporting technology and education. Yet to become a teacher, you need one credit, which means that these poor students, I had 40 of them, both elementary and secondary, uh, get me for, for two days, uh, seven hours on a Monday, seven hours on Tuesday, and some homework assignments. Of course, we use Flipgrid uh, to get them some video reflections in there as well. It was great. I love teaching this course every summer. It's a great way for me to give back and to also just see what new, you know, this new batch of teachers is thinking around the use of tech. And here, here's a couple of my takeaways that I find just really, really fascinating. Number one, how many times... I'm still hearing teachers say, I'm not good at tech. And what really blew my mind this time is, I guess it was a a reality check for me that the majority of uh, the teachers uh, are in their 20s. The average age between the 40 of them, the average age was 27.5. So the majority of them are, are somewhere in their 20s or early 30s. And how many of them still say, I'm not good at tech? Yet they everybody has a smartphone. Everybody in the class has a smartphone. Everybody in the class has their home laptop. And yet they say, I'm not good at tech. And I hear this a lot even in schools where teachers say, I'm not good at tech. And I think what we really mean as educators is, I'm not good at tech when it comes to learning with it. We're good with tech in our own personal lives. We're, we're amazing at being able to make phone calls and text messages and looking up the news and all of that stuff we're great at. But when it comes to actually learning with technology, we were never taught how to do that. And therefore, we get really scared when we have to now teach kids to learn with technology. And to me, that is a massive shift. And we're not doing a very good job, I don't think, in our pre-service programs across uh, America anyway, of helping teachers understand that. And so I I get so frustrated when teachers say, I'm not good about tech, because one of the first pushbacks I get is like, that's fine, but you need to get good at it. You're teaching a generation that is going to expect technology in their lives. It's the way we live is with technology in our lives. That's okay if you're not good at it. If you want to be a teacher, you need to get good with it. You need to understand how to learn with it, and you better understand how to teach with it. I can't see that as an excuse being a teacher right now. I'm not good at tech is not an excuse that a teacher should be able to use. The second big takeaway to me that I found fascinating was social media is a bad word. Uh, I, we talked about using social media, connecting on Twitter and all the amazing ways, you know, we looked at all these different hashtags on Twitter and the students, one of their assignments is they have to go to the hashtag comments for kids and leave a comment for a student somewhere on the internet. And yet even in their reflections, they're not sure about tech or they're not sure about social media. Sorry. And, and I find that fascinating that we've got 
these pre-service teachers so scared that they might say something wrong on social media that'll cost them their jobs that we're not thinking about all the powerful ways that social media is used in society today. And somewhere along the way, we've got to make that switch. You know, I really tried to help them understand that you as a public figure, being a teacher, you are a public figure, need to have social media if for no other reason to protect yourself. There are parents and there are kids that you are going to come across. And and if you don't have social media accounts for no other reason than to protect yourself, you're kind of leaving yourself wide open to being bullied by parents and by kids. And I'm sure some listeners out there have heard of this happening in their schools, that this is a real issue we have when we think we are doing the right thing by not being on social media. And we're not doing the right thing by not being on social media ourselves and by not teaching kids how to use social media properly. It's in within our schools that we teach kids to be good citizens. And part of being a good citizen today is knowing what that means on social media. So those are kind of my two big takeaways after spending two days with these pre-service teachers. And I think what even blew their minds even more was how amazed they were when I said, oh, we're going to record a podcast with some educators today. Just in the middle of our class, this was the second day of class, I said, look, we've got about an hour, they're giving up their summer, and they were like, we're going to do what? And I'm like, yeah, I said, don't worry, and we just fired up, I fired up Zoom, I record in Zoom, and I had Michael and Trina from Auburn School District give up a a half hour or an hour of their uh, summer to come and talk to these pre-service teachers, and how many of them thought that that was the coolest thing ever? And I'm like, you've FaceTime with your friends and, and this is, this is normal to me. And I have a hard time thinking that for pre-service teachers coming into our schools, most of those schools being one-to-one, that the idea that you can pull somebody from outside to help you learn is still like a wow factor. So you're going to get to hear today from Michael and Trina from Auburn School District talking to these pre-service educators. And we really tried to focus in on what are tips and tricks you would give pre-service educators and going into a one-to-one school or a one-to-one classroom. And Trina has some great ways that she's knocking down the way, uh, walls to her classroom that just blew these pre-service minds. And they really were talking about some of the stuff that she was sharing uh, as well. So you're in for a treat. You're going to hear uh, some great ideas coming out of these one-to-one classrooms and also get to hear uh, the students as well and know that the audience that they're speaking to is an audience of pre-service teachers. Have a great summer. Uh, I'm off after I get done recording this to go outside. It's 80 degrees here in Seattle and I need to be outside. So uh, enjoy the podcast. And with that, on with the show. Trina, are you there? I'm there. Hi, guys. Hey, hey, <laughs> These are the 40, uh, 40 pre-service teachers over here at Whitworth University that I'm teaching this one credit tech class to. Um, so awesome. far, it's been really, really bad, and they don't want to listen to anything I have to say, so I thought I'd bring in experts. Jeff, I've been to your conferences. I know that's not true. Okay. Um, I, I agree, though, because at some point, you do lose, like, when you're a teacher, you lose a little bit. Like, you need to bring someone in to freshen it up every now and then. <laughs> oh, yeah. So true. So true. So um, we're going to have just a quick conversation. Uh, Trina, thank you for taking time out of your summer, too, to join us. I really appreciate it. I know that My pleasure. Your, your summers are, are, um, are precious. Why don't we get by just introducing yourselves first. So Trina, we'll start with you, and then Michael will do you second. So go ahead, introduce yourself. Tell us what you teach and what, what you're up to. Okay. Um, good morning. I am Trina. And um, let's see, I usually um, teach first and second grade. Primary is my love. 
Um, but last year, I got the awesome opportunity to um, take on a K through five specialist position in computer science and tech. So I jumped on that and got to do, uh, just finished the first year up, um, one of the pilot programs. Um, it's been absolutely amazing. I love the transition and um, some of the amazing focus that we get to do with the kids. Cool. Thank you. Michael? Uh, my name is Michael Fitzgerald. I have been teaching for about six or seven years now. I am currently in a um, more administrative role uh, working for our Department of Technology and uh, I am what we call a TOSA, so a teacher on special assignment. And my job is to um, help with the one-to-one -one rollout, kind of support teachers like Trina who are um, taking endeavors into the, into the technology and really to start some initiatives within our tech integration. And that's been where I've uh, used Jeff's expertise a lot, so. Cool. Yeah. All right, so I've got a couple questions for you this morning. Um, so let's start with the easy one. What advice would you give new teachers headed into a one-to-one -one school? Who do you want to start? Mike, you want to start? You want me to? <laughs> I'll, I'll go, yeah. Okay. Um, I think something that I, as, as you're going into a one-to-one -one school, becoming comfortable with that technology um, is, is really imperative. Knowing what's available and then utilizing it as best as you can to really hit your objectives is great. But honestly, your first year is survival. Um, so, you know, I think of it more learning the technology yourself and then integrating it as you can, not being afraid to make mistakes, take chances. Uh, there's just so much great opportunity in the technology. Um, and you, as, as uh, entering students into, the class, into classrooms, you're gonna have a little bit of an advantage in that because uh, your programs probably had that, whereas you're gonna be working with other teachers that uh, haven't been in a, a a classroom uh, learning experience for themselves in 20, 30 years. And, and so you're gonna have some, some leg up in that, but uh, knowing what it is, how to use it, and then trying to get to those learning standards that are within the content areas like math and science and ELA as soon as possible so that you integrate that successfully. But I, again, it's kind of hard to say because you're so much in survival mode. <laughs> Very true. Um, you know, best, okay, so best advice I'd give to a new teacher heading to a one-to-one. -one. Um, I kind of put myself back my first year that I taught um, when I had a one-to-one, -one, and it was a first-grade classroom when I taught international at American Embassy School in New Delhi, India. And I remember, I mean, there was so much, I might have not been a first-year teacher, but it felt like I was with so much new learning, being in a different culture, a different place. And I remember my teammate, it was their first year of the rollout of one-to-one -one iPads in the first grade classroom. And I think the best advice I could give you is just have fun with it. Don't be scared. Um, the kids, they know it. They're, trust me, they're going to help teach you. And um, when you have that connection and that relationship with the students, when they realize that wow, my teacher's a learner too, um, it creates a really powerful environment for the students um, to see you as a learner of this technology as well. So have fun with it. 
remember that, you know, when we, when we want to use technology in the classroom, we want to not just ask ourselves what, what app could we use to help math practice or skills or, um, you know, there's tons of apps for that. And I'm not saying that those don't have a great place in the classroom, but also remember to ask yourself, what can the kids create with this device? How can I allow them to use this tool to create and share their voice for their learning? Awesome. All right. Um, Trina, I want you to uh, first on this question. Uh, we talk a lot about the mental shift that teachers need to make in a one-to-one -one, uh, classroom. What does that mean to you? Uh, and, and like you going through that yourself, what is that mental shift that we, and we talked about that just to let you know, we've talked about that here as well. Uh, just that, that shift of looking at learning differently. And what does that mean to you and how do you kind of go through that? Yeah, you, you, I think the biggest shift, and sometimes this is, I mean, it's so amazing for you guys as new teachers to one, be learning from Jeff and, and hearing this right away and getting this PD so that you can already have this mindset. Because I think a lot of times the pushback that we get from educators is usually educators that have been in the field for 20 plus years that this was not their way of learning when they were learning how to best support their students. So, um, you know, really the mindset for me clicked when I realized that um, I'm not the gatekeeper of knowledge. You know, back in the day when I was sitting in rows and, you know, looking at the chalkboard, yes, I'm dating myself a little bit. <laughs> um, but it was the teacher was the gatekeeper of all the knowledge. The teacher was the one that was like, okay, this is what I know. Take my notes and learn from me. Whereas now I try to run my classroom as, guess what? We're all learners in this. And technology is going to allow you to get further than you could ever imagine. So let's learn together how we can find our resources. It's not about me being smart and knowing everything. It's about what can I teach my students and how they can find the knowledge that they need when they need it. I love yeah. that. Thank you. That's so awesome. <laughs> Michael? Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I'll try. Um, I'll do some like moves or something. <laughs> you know? um, I think I would echo everything she's saying. I think the, uh, you know, and I think we talked about this the other day, Jeff, is the, the, paradigm shift a shift of like it's it's 2018 yeah. <laughs> and um, a lot of our structures were were built a hundred years ago and we're you know trying to shift that now to thinking to the future and what jobs are looking like ahead and that's a really difficult thing to do in a system that's been around for a hundred years or a school that's been around for a hundred years yeah. and um, I really I really echo what what Trina says around um, the fun aspect and, and the learning aspect. Um, I think something that a, a lot of great teachers with one-to-one -one classrooms do is identify themselves as learners. And then within that, they really push some of the growth mindset practices that I'm, I'm sure Jeff has shared a little bit. And uh, I adapt kind of the we versus me mentality, creating a collaborative element and, and um, a community of learning rather than uh, a sit and get type of type of approach. I I don't know if I could I could beat what Trina says because it's yeah. it's spot on. Yeah, it's awesome. Can you share some stories of what this looks like from the classroom? 
Uh, like Trina, what's your like, if you reflect on this last school year, like you're just like, oh man, that was the unit or that was the really cool thing I did with my kids. Go tell them about the robots, the, the water one. That one's my favorite. <laughs> no. Oh, the, the dash and dot, Mike? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that one's good. Um, okay, so I'd say my two, and again, this, I mean, honestly, I was so blessed. This last year, um, <clears throat> the curriculum that I got to do was just amazing, thanks to the support of my district and, and Artosa, Mike. Um, but we got, let's see, seven dash and dot robots, and... Um, I guess maybe, hold on, I'm going to jump back one step because the reason that I did this one project was because of another project. Um, my first project that I'd say like um, that I absolutely loved and was like, yes, this was awesome, was my project from um, you, Jeff, when we went to your conference and we had to walk away with one thing that we wanted to implement. Well, I had gone into the conference just finishing up um, a project that I was doing with my three through five students on a um, student-led portfolio, and they had to put up on their website an image of something that they wanted to be a professional that they wanted to do when they were older. And probably about 60% of my third through fifth graders said they wanted to be professional YouTubers. <laughs> so then when I went to your conference, and the learning was about what a great tool YouTube can be, um, not just for information um, and research, but how to use it as a reflection for student voice. So long story short, I created a unit around YouTube where you, uh, their YouTube channel was the end project, mm -hmm. and I introduced um, the world's um, largest problem, or world's largest lesson to them. I don't know if you've ever heard of it or not before, but it uh, comes from the United Nations, and it's really easy to follow. They've got videos, they've got unit plans, and it just teaches children about, you know, the rest of the world and how to, there's 17 goals that we want to try to reach um, by 2030, which is kind of awesome because that's the year that the kindergartners this year is, are graduating. Cool. And it's um, problems around the world of solving hunger. You're solving the pollution, um, sanitation, and water. And so I taught the kids about um, some of these lessons, um, and then the kids got to choose one global goal that they that were was passionate to them for some reason. And um, they re did some research on it. Mike came into my classroom, led a great lesson on um, you know finding research. We did the fake link, um, you know, the octopus. Yeah. If you've ever done the octopus tree one. Um, and so the kids learned how to research, the kids learned about world connections and world problems and how we can come up with solutions and campaign to try to, you know, um, make this world a better place. So then the kids um, had a YouTube channel. We kind of, I didn't fully launch all the way yet um, with kids that didn't have one, but I had about probably 40% of kids that already had a YouTube channel. Wow. So kids had a YouTube channel, then they could reflect on their channel. If they didn't have one, then I used Flipgrid a way. Oh, did I lose you? No, you're back. All right. Okay. Then I used, if they didn't have a YouTube channel because the kids got really upset that they didn't get to have a YouTube channel, um, then they used Flipgrid as a reflection. So that unit was really fun. I loved it. The kids loved it. I had kids asking if they could keep researching other global problems. And um, 
and then that led to an extension for K through two. Um, I had robots and I made a square and I put three cups in the square and we talked about oceans and we talked about pollutions and habitats and how, you know, if garbage gets into our oceans, then what happens? And um, the kindergartners then coded their robot. Um, they built a bulldozer first around their dash and dot and then had to scrape um, the whole area of the ocean and get the cups, which were the pollution, out of the ocean. So it was really fun to connect those. That's awesome. I love that. Michael, how about you? Those were kindergartners, by the way. Kindergartners. Robots. Robots. I mean, it was, I didn't see it in person. I saw it on Twitter, but just incredible. And um, yeah, I, I love, uh, the global goals mentality that Trina brings to her, her, uh, her classroom. The <clears throat> the idea that their classroom can impact the world is is incredible. Yeah. I think something that um, when I was teaching often happened to me was, uh, I think the world seemed so big, and I didn't feel comfortable with my own self in the world. Like, like it was I I had the reach of maybe. 30 blocks, you know, around my school. And so we tried to like actually do things in the community. Um, like not necessarily that, that the global community is, is too big, but um, I tried to like find those same problems within uh, the low socioeconomic school that I worked in. And, and we would try and um, use some of those dilemmas that the kids were, kids were facing in their neighborhoods to, uh, create you know word problems or uh scenarios that we could use to write about and um you know that's that's difficult it's it's hard to like look at your community and say there's a problem and the kids but the kids they see it like they're they're not shy about what needs to happen and what needs to change um oftentimes i would take a look at the seattle times on my way into starbucks and uh find something that we were we could talk about and and uh, utilize within math or, or reading. And um, I wish I had had the uh, guts when I was a teacher to think more globally because it provides a lot more um, opportunities to, to integrate some of the, the amazing technology that we have. And I, I value a lot of the, the examples that um, you've shared, Jeff, about like, you know, researching in different countries based on their newspapers. And uh, I think, you know, I've seen a lot of teachers do some, some great stuff with that, but I think there is an initial fear um, of like exposing your class to a, an outside area that you don't know. And so I started kind of from within and grew kind of out into like maybe the Seattle area or, or further than that a little bit. But um, I, if I was still teaching, I would hope that I'd be global like Trina. <laughs> All right, we've got about seven minutes left. I wanted to open it up if anybody here has questions uh, for them. Oh, surprising that you would have a question. Have you thought it through before you raised your hand this time? Yeah, okay. No, okay. Do you want to come up here? You can introduce yourself to them at the screen so they can see you. They can't see you. You're all out back there. And then whoever else wants to go, we can start a line here. We've only got about five minutes, and I need to let them get back to their summer. But uh, go ahead. Stop. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Uh, my name is Joe. Um, I hope to teach uh, elementary, uh, upper elementary, third through sixth or whatever. 
Um, but as you guys are talking, uh, kind of my initial thoughts is like a teacher's biggest enemy is comfort. Um, so how do you guys like continue to battle that and, and drive your um, technology use in the classroom? <laughs> That's a great question. Um, let's see. I don't ever really allow myself to get comfortable, if that makes sense. Um, I um, have moved around. Um, I've traveled and lived around other places of the world for seven, eight years. And um, since I've been back, I have moved classrooms every single year. Um, just kind of uh, just what has happened. And so I'm constantly um, learning and changing and evolving. And I think that that just... Um, when you allow yourself to reflect on your practice and change, um, then you break that bubble of comfort. Yeah, yeah I would say it's not about you. Um, it's about your kids. If that's one thing I could uh, uh, share with new teachers is that um, you're most successful when your kids are most successful and, and your team is most successful. And so um, it's like Trina says, it's, it's good to not be comfortable if it's benefiting your kids. If you're doing something that's, you know, you believe is, is great learning and, and empowers them for their futures, um, which seems kind of daunting as a third grade teacher that has to teach this math standard, but um, you want to do something a little different. There's a lot of courage in teaching, a lot of, a lot of bravery and risk. And, um, but you have, to, you have to consider what's best for your kids and uh, a lot of times I would say, um, you know, this isn't what my building wants me to do, uh, which is kind of scary to say. This isn't necessarily what my district wants me to do, but I feel that this is empowering my kids for the benefits of their future, and um, we would see the results later on. You know, the, the scores don't, wouldn't lie because I would treat them like people that have needs, and, and we would do um, what's best for them. Yeah, I love that. Really helpful. Time for one more question. If anybody else has one they want to ask. No. Joe, enjoy. Oh, you're just giving, just giving Joe a high five. Okay. All right. Uh, thank you guys for taking time out of your summer. I really appreciate it. Uh, you guys are troopers. I owe you both a drink at some point <laughs> in the future. Um, Trina, you have to get off. I think you have a kid going to a baseball game or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's always. <laughs> Always, always going off to baseball. Michael, thank you so much for taking time. Both of you uh, really appreciate it. And I will see you guys first uh, of August, I think. I'm back down in Auburn. Something like that, yep. Yeah. Awesome. We'll get back at Take it. Care. All Thanks right. Enjoy the rest members. of the class, guys. Yes. Bye. It's the best profession ever. Have fun. Thank you for listening to Shifting Our Schools with your host, Jeff Udick. Shifting Our Schools is part of the Eduro Learning Podcast Network. For more great content, visit sospodcast.org or follow us at Eduro Learning on Facebook and Twitter. Leave a review, rate, and subscribe. And we'll catch you next time on Shifting Our Schools.